Welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Justin. I am here with Pastor Roby, and we are just excited to be, get able, be able to get into this content. We are continuing our Tough Questions series. Uh, just this past session, we did one on the question of, can you lose your salvation? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Yep. And what was our conclusion, Roby? Well, according to scripture, if salvation is by grace, it's not by works, then uh, if we attain salvation by grace, you can and not works you cannot lose it by works in fact jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith so we gain salvation by the power of jesus and that salvation is sustained by the power of jesus according to the scripture and you'll see a bunch of scriptures in that episode if you missed it go back and and check it out yeah so we read scriptures that were explicit and said no one can snatch you out of god's hand if you are his Um, and then we also talk through this concept of grace Jesus said, I give them, being my, my sheep, my people, I give them eternal life. It's a gift. Yeah. Um, the Bible says the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our, our Lord. It's a gift we receive. And if we're saved by grace, there is nothing that we can do then to cause ourselves to be unsaved. Uh, because then what we would think, well, then I got to be good enough to re-earn it back. Yes. It's not dependent on our performance. It's a received identity. We are adopted into yeah. the family of God. We are the passive agents in salvation. We submit, surrender, receive the work that Jesus did on our behalf. And so salvation's by grace. We are sustained by grace and God yeah. keeps us safely and securely in his hand. Yeah, and it's it's a finished work. Salvation is a finished work. That is so important to understand when Jesus says it is finished. Yeah. That is a, it is a finished work in your life. Live with confidence that your salvation has been secured by the power of Jesus from beginning to end. Yeah. And so we, we can say things like there is nothing you can do to out sin the grace of God. Yes. Your, your sin, no matter how far gone you might be, the forgiveness of God is not limited. There's not like this limiter on God's yeah. grace that's available to us. Uh, Ephesians talks about the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. You can't measure it. Mm-hmm. It's infinite. And so that then leads us to a very uh, understandable question to ask. And so what's our question that we're going to be raising in this podcast? Yeah, that leads us to this question of uh, if... I'm saved by grace and I have forgiveness. And if I can't out the power of the cross, then why can't I just do whatever I want? Like, why can't I, I mean, did you just write me a, a blank check, a sin check, you know, to spend however I want? Did I just get a sin gift card to just go spend? Because if God's mm-hmm. going to forgive me, why wouldn't I sin? And so we're, we're going to dig into that very important question in, in scripture. Yeah. How does God keep, keep us in line if he has nothing to hold, <laughs> hold over us? Yeah. Like, you know, and watching over us. I think I've had conversations with people from different faith traditions that when I explain them the gospel, that's one of the things they say. They're like, well, then why would you even do this? Yeah. So I, I think this is a very helpful question. And there's maybe there's a few different types of situations where this situation isn't just kind of like like a theological question but actually the rubber meets the road and this touches near to our life the first is for the person maybe you're listening right now you're a believer in jesus you you know love jesus you put your trust in him you you know you've realized he saved you 
and you worship him, all that. But perhaps there are times where there's a temptation that comes or there's a particular struggle in your life yes. and this thought pattern will cross your brain. Well, I'm forgiven anyway. Yeah. And even if I do this that I know I shouldn't do, God will forgive me. Yeah. So I guess just this once, let me go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I think it's, I think that is the most common scenario. It's not the only one, but yeah. I think the most common is there's a believer that they're going along and for the most part, they're honoring the Lord. You know, they, they feel like they're using their life, but there's the one area where they're like either, well, I think God's given me the green light on this or look, I've got the rest of my life in order, but this one area, he'll forgive me. That's usually where it is. So for example, I, you know, I've had a conversation with people before where, you know, they're living, um, in every other space. But if you talk about the subject of, um, money, that would be the area where they're like, well, okay, but this one area, this is for me. Yeah. I'm not giving that up. Or maybe it's a, a sexual sin, you know, it could be a, a dating couple and they're like, yeah, I know we're probably not supposed to sleep together, but God will forgive us. Or it's pornography. Like, uh, you know, maybe I, I, I know that I probably shouldn't, but you know, God will forgive me. You know, there are those types of sins. And a lot of times in the, in the trickiest space is for someone who otherwise are living their lives in a way that honors God, but they're just kind of that one area of sin. They're just saying, God will forgive me. And, and, mm -hmm. um, what do we do with that? That's one of those scenarios. Yep. So that, we're going to address that. The other scenario that is, um, common as well is there are people who claim and profess faith in Jesus. They say, I'm a Christian. Um, they maybe participate in church activities. They have relationships with Christians. And so looking at their lives, you might conclude, oh, this person is a believer in Jesus. At the same time, there are vast patterns in their life yes. that are completely out of step with the teachings of this Jesus that they claim to trust. Right. And so is the scenario where we're saved by grace. It's a gift of God. Right. Nothing we can do, not about our works, all about the work of Jesus. Does that then mean that I can, you know, pray the prayer mm. and then proceed to live however I please? Right. But I remember I, you know, filled out a card one time and I, yeah. you know, I rose my hand in church or walked down an aisle. What does this doctrine have to say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an important one. There's people that as a child, you know, they, they, you know, went to church or they went to a camp and, or even as an adult, they had a real spiritual experience with Jesus at a church and then they're like, okay, I'm saved. And then they, nothing changes in their life. Um, it, I think th that's an important question. Yep. And so let's go to a, a passage of scripture that again, just like our previous, uh, uh episode, there's one place we're going to start. We might reference a few more scripture, but the first place we're going to go to is Romans chapter six. So why don't you take us there, Roby? Yes. And so for starters, uh, let's, let me just read Romans chapter six, verse one. It says, Paul says this, and, and he's asking a, as he's working through the argument of the book of Romans, when he gets to chapter six, as he's working through, he's asking the question. It's a rhetorical device. It's very effective. He's asking the question that his reader is asking in their minds. He kind of knows logically where he's led them. And he asks this question, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And that's essentially the question we're asking. Like, yeah. okay, wait a minute, Pastor Justin, Pastor Roby, you're saying that, it, that there's no sin 
that is stronger than the cross that we're not say we can't lose our salvation because we mess up. So why wouldn't I just sin? I mean, if grace is that constant forgiving work over us, why shouldn't I just go on a sin spree, you know, and just sin a lot knowing that he's going to forgive me. And so the fact that Paul is raising that question five chapters into the sixth chapter of Romans, first of all, I would say that says that you have a grasp of what grace is saying. So first of all, like that is the right question to ask. Yes, that is how powerful grace is. That is how forgiving God is. The answer is not going to then walk back well, there's not always that level of forgiveness. Well, sometimes you could lose your salvation or no, grace isn't that strong. No, that's exactly right. Grace is that powerful. Forgiveness is that powerful. Mm -hmm. That's the right question. Here's his answer. Verse two, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, he says, good question. Absolutely not. Please don't keep on sinning. And he uses this metaphor. He says, you've, you've died to sin. You've been raised out of that. The issue is one of death and life. And so that's the right question. But don't, don't keep sinning because sin leads to death. Salvation has led to life. That's why that emblem of baptism is a symbolic burial. When someone is saved, they get baptized, they get placed under the water, and then they're raised back up as if their old life has been dead and crucified in Jesus, and now they're raised back up. And so he says, please, because of what you know of the gospel, absolutely not. Don't keep sinning. So then why? If we can't lose our, our salvation, why? Well, it's because of this. The gospel we take in faith teaches us two things. Here's the first thing the gospel teaches us. It teaches us the reality of sin. Mm. Already through Romans, he's told us the reality of sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we learn in, in, um, in Romans that the wage of sin is death. Sin is not our friend. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things the gospel teaches us. If you want to know what the outcome of sin is, it's not fun. It's not living it up. It's not life to the fullest. It's not like, oh, I've got to restrain my finances. I've got to restrain my relationships. I have to restrain feeling alive. I have to restrain my sexuality. That, that is, that's not what sin is. If you want to know what sin does, look at the mutilated figure hanging on the cross. Mm. Sin maims, tears, destroys. It's meant, it, and later through Romans, it says it is enslaving. We, it, the lie is that following Jesus puts us in chains and, and makes us feel constrained like we're in a straitjacket. Right. No, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free is what Galatians says. The, the, the slave master is sin. And so um, it, it's, it's actually, he's freeing us from that. And so the first thing that God, the gospel teaches us is it teaches us what sin is. It's not our friend. Yeah, that's right. And uh, just walking through this passage later on, Romans 6, it says in verse 5, if we have been united with him, in, with Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like like his. So how could we go on sinning that grace may abound when to receive grace, another way of Paul describing it, is to be united to Jesus. Yeah. 
union with Jesus, being in Christ. That's what faith is, being yeah. in Christ, united to Jesus. And if we've been united to Jesus in a death like his, we will surely be united with him in a resurrection like his. And and that death was the payment and the consequence, the result of what sin does. It's what sin brings. And Jesus took that on our behalf. And so how could we who have claimed and received grace from Jesus um, take the thing that did that to our savior yes. sin and turn that into our friend yes yeah what's the other question you said there's two questions there's two things two other, things that the gospel teaches the first yeah. is what is sin and the second is yeah the second is who is god and um but before we move on to that i just want to to hit on that there's a dynamic called stockholm syndrome hmm. and it's a real psychological uh phenomenon i think that's also the song the name of a song by green day Stockholm syndrome. Is that right? I, I think I, so. I, I did not not that I would have ever listened to that <laughs> when I was in, you hey, know, high school. There's grace. <laughs> there's grace. Um, there's Perfect. grace for you, Justin. Okay. No, there's a there's a dynamic called Stockholm syndrome, and it's they've found it among people who were held hostage, where after like a long period of time, if they've been held hostage by a captor, they have this love and affection for that captor. Mm. And it's a real psychological disorder and it's not uncommon for that dynamic. And you think, how could you possibly be in love with that with that individual? And it's because maybe that individual was providing for them along the way, keeping them alive. Mm. Well, whatever the, the reason is, that is really often what is the issue with sin. Wow. It's It has kept us enslaved, but we have this belief that it was our friend and that we're having to give it up. Mm -hmm. And part of our faith is what sin is, but it's also faith, this is the second part, in who God is. And so the one who rescued us is the one who who is good. Jesus, like you said, Justin, he, he dies on the cross out of love for us. God gave, surrendered so much in giving his son Clearly, he loves us and clearly he wants freedom for us. Clearly, he wants what's best for us. And furthermore, he's all powerful. And so if he says, hey, this is what's right for how you should handle your finances, that's for our good. Yeah. If he says, this is what's right for how you should handle your relationships or how you should handle your sexuality or how you should handle your integrity or whatever it is, then for, for starters, he's trying to free us from the damage our sin does and secondly, of course he knows the right way to do it. He's God. He invented it. He's good. He wants mm -hmm. what's best for us. He's not just trying to test our our fervent our fervor by giving us all of these spiritual moral chores and hoops to jump through. He wants what's best for us. And so if the gospel is showing us what sin is, of course I don't want it. And it's showing us who God is. Of course I want his way. Uh, of living. And so when we have the gospel planted in our heart, mm -hmm. as that bears fruit, of course, we're going to be pulling back from sin, not just trying to do it and wait for his forgiveness. I don't want to do it. I don't want to wreck my life with that. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not even sure I see how it's going to wreck my life, but I take it on faith. And I also put my faith in trusting God and often doing the right thing. I can't see why it's going to yield good fruit and how it's going to do. And a lot of times initially there's consequences for doing the right thing, but I have faith that God is good. God wants what's best for me and that he's going to work all things together for good. And so faith in what sin is, it is my enemy and faith in who God is. He's all powerful, loving and good. That then planted in my heart will lead, lead me to not wanting to sin yeah. in my journey with God. Jesus said, 
I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Yes. Life to the full. And when we trust in Jesus, we trust Jesus at his word. I love uh, this quote. I actually came across it reading a book yesterday from Ignatius of Loyola. Um, he's credited with saying that sin is unwillingness to trust that God, what God wants is our deepest happiness. Yes. That what God so wants good. for us is our deepest joy. And whenever we don't believe that God wants my joy, that's when we believe the most ancient lie that humans have ever believed, that God is actually out to steal my joy and that to find joy, I have to seize control for myself, yeah. given to the lie of the enemy, believing, you know, did God say you can't have any tree in the garden? Yeah. And planting that seed that God is this, you know, this uptight micromanager who wants to just suck out any happiness you have yes. in your life rather than the one who wants to give us true freedom. Yeah, that's so good. And that's that's the hope on the other end. You know, there's, you know, let's say it's a couple, they get married and things go well for a couple years and then all of a sudden they go through a rough patch and they're fighting and all of a sudden there's someone at work that they're like, well, maybe I'll just leave my spouse and get uh, go with that person and God will forgive me. But that may seem initially like a tantalizing option, but that's going to bring so much pain and destruction. Whereas what... God is saying is no honor your marriage vow walk forward through the hard stuff because on the other end we we know his character we have hope for what he's offering us at the other end and so we push through and so um, that's ultimately I think what what James 2 says about faith ultimately yeah so James 2 so when we're talking about faith James is so helpful right James coming out and clarifying for us making some strong statements statements like Hey, you say you believe, the demons also believe that Jesus is the son of God. The demons have decent theology when it comes to understanding the identity of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that the demons are saved. Uh, And he talks about the nature of saving faith. Is it faith that produces fruit, that walk in line with who Jesus is and walk in line with what it looks like to actually trust him with your life? Yeah, absolutely. And so to address those two individuals, one is the believer that maybe has that area of their life that they just say, ah, God will forgive me. Um, yes, God will forgive you. But if you walk in that sin, it will destroy you because that's what sin does. Mm-hmm. And instead have faith and do it God's way. And because you know the gospel for that person who is saying, yeah, I believe in God. So I'm, I'm saved. Um, true faith, true faith has bears fruit of knowing what sin is and knowing who God is. And so that true faith will lead me to say, Jesus is my savior and my Lord. He's my King. He's the boss. I follow what he says. I have trust in what, what he says. And so, um, if your life does not reflect at all the, the, what the scripture teaches, ask if you have true faith. It is only faith that saves, but ask if you have true faith in, in the gospel and the work that Jesus has done to save you. Yeah. And I just add to the times in scripture where the question surfaces, well, you know, did God say, is it really that Mm -hmm. bad? Or times when there's a call into question, well, God will forgive you. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, those are spiritually dark forces. Yeah. That's good. So a good thing to be aware of if those are some like, excuses bubbling up inside of you to justify disobeying your savior who loves you, who's for your joy, who cares about your life. And you're in your mind thinking, well, God, 
God's going to forgive me or God's giving me the green light. I know he, he knows, you know, I'm, I, I still love him. You know, those are, I'd say demonic types of temptation, like yeah. spiritually dark thoughts that do not come from the spirit of God and are not, you know, of what Jesus would have for our lives. So intercept those thoughts, those thought patterns when you're being tempted and you're to the point of thinking, you know what? I, I'm forgiven. I'm good. I would intercept that with the truth. No, John 10, 10, Jesus came to give me life to the full. The thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Intercept that thought and stop the enemy in his tracks. And so um, just to get this practical, we thought of an illustration that you shared that I think yeah. makes this clear, brings it to kind of a lighthearted way of thinking through it, yeah. but displays what we mean when we're talking about genuine, authentic faith, not just faith that says, oh yeah, I believe it. So I have a friend who's a pilot and that's not his job. I have other friends who that's their job. They're, they're do that. He's a hobbyist pilot. So okay. on the side, he got his pilot's license and flies these little planes and I know him to be a very responsible person and I'm, I'm sure he's a great pilot, but it's different than when I just go to the airport and it's like a commercial airliner. Right. I don't really even think about, you know, safety very much at that point. I just have yep. all faith in, in whatever airline I'm, I'm flying with. Um, but with my friend in a tiny little pl- plane where you can feel all the, the bumps and all, every gust of wind and that right. kind of thing and something he just kind of does for fun on the side. Um, I can say, I'm sure he's a great pilot, but the faith is whether I get in the plane with him or not. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it's like, that's the line. Yeah. Where I oh just yeah. Like, I trust your pilot skills. That's different than, all right, I'm putting my seatbelt on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're doing takeoff here. That's the big difference. And I think that goes back to what you're saying. Um, we can say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And there's many, many people, um, the majority of people in our city say they're Christians. Well over 50%. It's in the 70s in our city. 70% would say, yes, I'm a Christian. A fraction of those individuals have a, a lifestyle or basic beliefs that reflect that. And so um, it's like in the scripture, there are people that say, uh, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. There is a dynamic where someone say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but there there's not true faith in the gospel. And you say, well, how do I know if I have true faith in the gospel? Well, is that faith producing fruit? Are you getting in the plane with, of, your, of your life with Jesus as the pilot and saying, okay, Jesus, you saved me. You're now my king and my Lord. And that fruit of fa- that faith will produce fruit into living out a life that reflects the, the reality of your salvation. Awesome. So we hope that this content, these passages of scripture have helped you think through this really important question that the scripture itself raises for us. And so we will see you next time on the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.